Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we give you thanks for today. Thank you for your spirit among us, Lord God. I pray any hindrance, Lord God, to your word. Just be removed today, Lord, that our hearts are open to receive from you, that we can fully embrace everything that you have for us. Thank you for your word, God, that you have a desire to feed your children, Lord God, that um, I thank you, Lord, for the privilege that I get blessed just, just getting to share this stuff. So I pray my heart will be open to receive what, what you have for us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So today we are talking about cultivating a dwelling place for God. So cultivating a dwelling place for God means, you know, who's ever tended a garden? Anybody ever like, like a home garden? Tried to, we're terrible at it. We, we, our gardens have failed every single time. And then you have free tomatoes one yeah. time. Yeah. What was that? Black thumb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Black thumb. Black we thumb. did get three tomatoes one time. We got three tomatoes one time out of... Many times of trying, and uh, not a green thumb, a black thumb, just dirt is all we got. Um, fertilizer, that was about it. But we failed miserably at cultivating a garden. Um, the reason being is we didn't do it daily. We weren't disciplined to take care of a garden. Gardening takes a lot of discipline. You know, a rancher, farmers, these guys that live off the land, stuff like that. I mean, it's a day in, day out thing. There's no... It's not a hobby. It's like a lifestyle. It's your life. It's a day in. You wake up. You got to you take care of this. Got to make sure it's, it's in the right place. Make sure, you know, there are certain things that we planted that didn't grow because they just didn't grow in El Paso. It could handle the sun. Our sun was, our sun was too, too, too extreme. It was too dry here to do some, certain things. Then there's some things we would water and we would overwater. We'd drown it out because whoop, it died because of enough water. So we just tons of water and like, well, it still died. So. So there was actually a cadence to growing something in your garden. There's a cadence to it so that you facilitate growth and it causes increase. And eventually, so that stems come up, little buds start to come up, and then fruit comes eventually. That's how you know that you're doing a good job raising it is because fruitfulness starts to come out. That there's maturity is happening. Now we can look at this tree or this plant and, you know, my dad, um, you know, they're from a much smaller town and they'll do like, uh, I think it's hydroponics or aquaponics, uh, where they do all these types of special fish fertilizer into the, into the, the plants and cause giant tomatoes to come out and giant squash and giant watermelon. And they kind of got it down to a science. They know how to do it. I'm like, man, how does he do that? And it's, it's the way they cultivate it. And that daily discipline of like making sure that it's watered, making sure it gets the right nutrients. And then you have a fruitful plant and it gives fruit again and again and again. So God wants us to cultivate a life in his presence where we actually cultivate fruitfulness. You know, Galatians 5, who can name the fruits of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience. Very good. I like it. Whoa, that's way better than I did. So that's awesome. So I only got like three into it. So you did better. Yeah, so there's a song that you learned. So if you, but the fruit only comes by maturity. The fruit only comes by, being, by having a cultivated life with God. Like We can't expect that gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. It's not going to blossom if we're not cultivating something with God, like we actually have to have a, a disciplined life that we cultivate with God on a regular basis so that fruitfulness abounds. 
It's not natural um, in our flesh to be faithful. It's not natural in our flesh to have self-control. But because we have the seed Jesus inside of us, that is part of the good news is that we take on a new nature. That we're more inclined to be faithful than we are unfaithful. We're more inclined to have self-control than we are to be inclined to not have any control at all. And so because we have a new nature, we have the right seed. But if the seed isn't taken care of, if it's not planted, if it's not cultivated, that seed never really breaks the surface. The seed's there. That doesn't change. But it never starts to come out. And we don't have fruitfulness, Audrey. We don't, where's our faithfulness at? You know? But meow. Yeah, meow is a good answer. And so God, this is what God wants to teach us. is cultivating uh, a dwelling place with God. Cultivating a life in His presence. Um, I, I just want to say that God deeply desires for all of us to hear Him. To hear His voice. It's not like a distant God trying to speak to man. But it's like the love of a father or a love of a mother that wants to speak to their child. He deeply desires for us to hear His voice. He deeply desires this. Now, I'm going to start in Psalm 84, uh, verse 1. It says, How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for, sing for joy to the living God. Now, there's three things that David tapped into here. He said, my soul. My soul is my thought, will, and emotion. Okay? Um, uh, my heart... That uh, my heart and my spirit are, are pretty synonymous. You can't really separate them. They're they are separate, but they are also one. You can't really separate that. So we have soul, spirit, and then he says, "My flesh sing for joy to living God." So he says he's talking about his body. David tapped into a New Testament concept, a New Testament understanding that Paul hit in First Thessalonians five twenty three that says, "May your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete." So. Paul tapped into this much, much later, but David had the heart of God and had a heart after God. And he began to realize, man, my flesh thirsts for God. My soul thirsts for God. My spirit, my heart, my everything is longing for God. David was tapping into this. You know, when they uh, asked Jesus in Matthew 22, 36, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Verse 37, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. With all your mind, this is the first great commandment. So, same thing. You get that three-part being. So, can we just accept the fact that we are a three-part being? We have a body. We have a soul, our thought, will, and emotion. And we have a spirit, or our heart, which our heart and spirit are one. So, we have those three elements that when we get saved, we gave our heart to Jesus. What was happening? We were being born again. Our, we had a new spirit. A heart of flesh was taken, uh, uh, excuse me, a heart of stone was taken out and a heart of flesh was put in. We have a new spirit. We are being, our mind is being transformed. Romans 12 too. Our mind is being transformed. And then our bodies ultimately in the day of redemption after we have, we have, uh, we've died or if Jesus comes back sooner, he's coming to resurrect our bodies that are this corruptible will put on an incorruptible body and we will ultimately be clothed with Christ. Right? And so we are these three-part being, and I want to express to you that God is speaking to you in every single way possible. I think a lot of times we think of God's voice when he speaks to us, that it's just this quiet little voice that's inside of our heart. And yes, it is that, but it's so much more than that. I want to go through the Bible um, and talk about how God speaks to all three parts of us. Um, how does God speak to you in your body? 1 Corinthians 3.16 
Paul says, do you not know that you are the temple? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we are God's temple. Uh, Psalms 29 verse 9, the Bible says in his temple, everything says glory. This is why we're to glorify God in our bodies and present our bodies as members of instruments of, of righteousness. We should pay attention to our physical body. Man, if we have a major decision to make, have you ever been about to make a decision and you get this like gut check, like a knot in your stomach? And you're like, oh, that's a bad idea. Your body, God is talking to you in your body and he's saying, hey, don't do that. If, or if you go there, you may not be happy with the results. Sometimes God will use your physical body to get your attention. Um, John chapter 14, 21, it says, he, hath, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he, he it is that loveth me. Sorry, I don't know why I copied this in King James. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father and I will love him. And listen to this, and will manifest myself to him. So let's, let's repeat that. Jesus says, those people, they're obeying me. They're showing their love for me by their obedience. And because they're showing their love for me, I'm going to manifest myself to them. The manifest presence is not like the omnipresence of God. The omnipresence is that God's always here, right? Like God was here before we got here. But there's a manifest presence that comes when we obey him. Meaning it's a tangible presence. It's something that you can feel in your body. God speaks to you in your body. That's why, why sometimes in worship, you know, you can sense God's presence much greater than when you're not in worship. Or the Bible says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. Well, God's always omnipresent. So how is Jesus there in our midst? If, if, is, did he just show up? Or He was always present. He was omnipresent. But his manifested presence when he like comes near to you, you know, James says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. I will come close. This is talking about physical proximity. This is a physical interaction. You can experience God this way. You can cultivate a life in God where you physically sense him and feel him and interact with him. There are also times that you can grieve God. The Bible speaks about grieving the Holy Spirit. Where you do something and it grieves the heart of God. And I don't know if any of you have ever had the horrible experience of sensing the manifest presence of God lift off your life. Where you did something that was grieving the heart of God. And God told you, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And then you went and did it anyway. And it's like, you're almost like, God, where'd you go? You know what I'm talking about? That feeling like, oh man, where, where, where'd God go? Well, God didn't leave. He's omnipresent. He's, he's on the inside of you. You didn't lose your seed, right? Like he's, he's there. But that manifest presence that was there on your body, like God is speaking to you through your body. It's a two-way conversation. So God can speak to us with our body. How do we speak back to him? You know, if this is a, this is a relationship we're cultivating, that means he talks to me and I talk to him. That is the nature of a healthy relationship. Psalm 134, verse 2, the Bible says, Lift up your hands to, this, uh, to the sanctuary and bless the Lord. You know what you're doing is you're saying, God, I, I surrender. That's what lifting up your hands means. It's not like this over-exuberant expression of faith. It's saying, God, I, I give myself to you. Or you can pray in the Holy Spirit too. That's right. Um, uh, but lifting up, you're giving your body to God. You're saying, God, I, I surrender. 
You know, I've been, I've told you heard that story where I was, I was drowning in the ocean in Mustelon on a family vacation and uh, where I was on my way out to sea going to be shark food and I began to wave my hands like this saying, help. And I had someone come and rescue me. It was great. It's a much longer story, but <laughs> it it's way more entertaining. But, yeah, you got to hear the story. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> right? But what you're saying is, hey, I, I don't have power in myself to overcome this circumstance. I'm calling for help. And you're saying, God, would you come help me? Then there's other times where you raise your hands and you're saying, God, you helped me. You know, then there's like when you come out of the out of the ocean, you've been rescued and you're high fiving the lifeguard. And said, Thank you. I'm really glad I'm not dead right now. <laughs> That's my preference. So sometimes when you raise your hands, you're just saying, God, thank you. Thank you. Because I needed help and you came. I needed rescue and you showed up. I needed someone to get me out of this distress, and you did. So that raising of hands, that's what you're doing is saying, thank you to the Lord. Uh, Psalm 26, verse 7, I raise my voice in praise and tell of all the miracles that you have done. This is the power of the testimony. What are we doing? We're using our bodies, our voice. We're saying, God, I praise you that you showed up. God, I praise you for what you did the other day at Noble. I praise you for what you're going to do again. When you use your voice and begin to praise God, that is a two-way conversation that you're using your body to communicate to God. Physically acting on his words. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Uh, Jesus says to his disciples, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? James 2.18, but someone may say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. How do we communicate to God uh, with our body? It looks like physical obedience. Our our, our feet actually going. I think of Lisa and Jeremy last night. They're going into the dark, into the darkness, into some of the worst places to go to in Mexico, in wars, in a border town, into the red light district with the light of Jesus. You know what that is? Obedience. Doing what God spoke to them to do. Maybe he didn't speak to you to do that. The Lord spoke to them to do that. And so they said, I've got to do what God's told me to do. That is physically obeying God. Have you done what he told you to do? Sometimes uh, when we don't seem like we feel God's presence, sometimes we just haven't done the last thing he told us to do. Or sometimes we don't feel peace. When did you drop it off? Like, when did you set it down? When did you walk away from peace? What's happened since the last time you felt peace? Go, go and address it. Sometimes it's a mess to clean up. Sometimes it's a conversation to have. Sometimes it's just going and doing what you know in your heart God already told you to do. A lot of times, uh, you know, I get, I get phone calls or texts. Adrian, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And my first question nine times out of ten back is, well, what did the Lord tell you to do? Because often when people seek uh, advice, they're actually looking for a, a dismissal to not do what God told them to do. <laughs> I don't ever give it to them. You know, I always say, what did God tell you? What's the last thing the Lord spoke to you? And have you done it? Have you, have you followed through all the way? Not to the degree that is permissible, but I mean fully done what God told you to do. This is a way of having a two-way conversation with God, fully obeying him. And our body. Uh, another way we communicate with God is through our confession and speaking. Uh, we were doing that this morning through declarations. 
2 Corinthians 4.13. But having the same spirit of faith, this is talking about uh, Abraham, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. Paul says, we also believe, therefore we also speak. And so what it's referencing is, is uh, Abraham and how he believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And Paul is saying the same spirit of faith that was in our father Abraham as seed of Abraham, the same spirit of faith that caused him to speak God's word dwells on the inside of us. That same spirit is part of our spirit to where we speak out what God's saying to us. This is a way we communicate with our body. Okay, let's talk about the soul. Remember, we're three-part beings. We are spirit, soul, and body. So how does God speak to our soul? Remember, our soul is our mind, our thought, our will, and our emotion. How does God speak to your soul? It's important for us to learn how to recognize God. You know, if I was to say, uh, if I had one of those little old analog radio stations, a uh, radio radios and had it here in the room you know 99.3 the rock in brownwood christian radio station is broadcasting but if i don't have the dial turned on to 99.3 i'm not going to pick it up i can actually you know what we used to do on the old ones is we would scroll scroll through it and it would kind of fade in you would pick up a station, then it would fade out, right? Like, you keep scrolling, and it would fade in, and you hear, the, oh, and then what would you do after you, you, you went across it? And then you would, oh, I, I think I heard something, and then you would dial back. Tuning your, your heart to hear God's voice is very similar to that with your soul. It's, it's, God, I'm listening to you. I'm looking for you. I want you to show me. And then, oh, that was it right there. Let's... Let's pause for a minute. Let's dial back a little bit. God, you're, I, I think I've heard your voice. Can you, can you confirm it? Let's, let's check. See, God is always speaking. And he desires for you to recognize his voice. He, you know, a lot of times it seems like, oh, he's quiet or he's not talking to me. No, he is talking. One of his names is the word of God. So it's hard for him to not have something to say because... That's his name. That's his nature. He's always speaking. And so, tuning your heart to recognize him. You know, could you imagine trying to speak to one of your kids and them not recognizing your voice? Or them speaking to you. You know, Audrey, without me looking at her and her looking at me, she can recognize the sound of my voice. But could you imagine that if I was talking and she couldn't recognize my voice? That would eventually cause an ache inside of me. Say, hey, I, I want you to know my voice. I really want you to know. I want you to know what I sound like when I'm talking to you. That's the heart of God. He wants you to hear His voice, and He is He is speaking to you about your circumstances. He is speaking to you about your job right now. He is speaking to you about your family. He's speaking to you about your children. He is talking all about it. He's got solutions. He has answers. He has creativity. Now, I work in the, in the medical field. I've been, been in for like 15 years. And working with physicians and therapists, I, I'm nine times out of ten, I'm talking with people who are, have about ten year, eight to ten years more education than I do. And so I have to really lean into God because I study and learn specific cases that are relevant to the specific thing I'm talking about so that I can communicate efficiently on that level. 
But for me to be able to bring an idea or an invention into that environment, it takes a lot of wisdom. It takes a lot of communication skills. It takes a lot of people skills because I don't have the same set of qualifications that, that they do. So I need to be on point if I'm going to bring something to the table that's valuable in that setting. God can speak to you about the workplace. God's spoken to me in the operating room where we had there's a body on the table and God was speaking to us uh, about how to do an implant. The doctor was putting in an implant into someone's body and they were trying to get it to work and they were having trouble. They couldn't get it. It was a joint and they put the joint inside the socket and they couldn't get it to, to quit skipping. The surface wasn't smoothed out right and they were trying to pop in this joint like, man, and you know, if you've ever seen a surgeon, so, well, you, you haven't, but... And when seeing a surgeon, there's a body on the table, and they look back and they go, hmm. Like I would at a wood fence at my house trying to build something, just hmm. Like you don't really know what, how to fix this. And then the Lord reminds of just a certain trick you could do. A certain adjustment we can make and the joint pop in and the person's got full range of motion. In that moment, those are scenarios that kind of matter a little bit, right? You know, for the person that's on the table, they just have family in the waiting room that says, oh, we're praying, everything goes well, and we're sitting in the OR going, hmm. <laughs> that makes you feel good, right? And the person went out, and they, of course, they never, never had a clue that we had to figure that out. But popped in. Like, hey, look, my surgery went great, guys. High fives. They have no idea that someone needed to see God. One time, uh, we were in the, I, was in a, I was in a surgery case, and um, there was a patient whose elbow was completely shattered. And they'd fallen off something, but this, this, uh, this bone was just blown to pieces. And uh, we brought, my job was to bring in implants, bring in screws and plates, and all this kind of stuff to the to operating room. You show up, you bring all your stuff. And this is kind of the toolbox you bring into a doctor. Doctor is working on it, and she's going at it. She's a brilliant surgeon. You're kind of just watching her open up this body and piecing this person back together. And uh, I'm like, wow, this is pretty amazing. But when she got to this part of the elbow, it was blown to bits. She looked at it, and this person's body is open, right? It's quite graphic. So this, this is how I'm keeping your attention this morning. You can't even watch the videos of it. Gross. Yeah, so this person's open, guys. So if, if you like lab and, and uh, like biology, this is what it's all about. It's fun stuff. Person's body's open. And the doctor gets that look on their face like, hmm. <laughs> hmm. And me and the other guy in the room like, hmm. <laughs> and the people and the techs in the room like, hmm. You know, everyone's kind of wondering what you know, like I was like, I'm glad I'm not the doctor <laughs> having to figure this out. And she says, hey, Adrian. I said, yes, ma'am. She says, pull up a picture of the elbow, uh, the human, human anatomy on Google on your phone. I said, okay. So I pull up my cell phone and I pull up a picture of human anatomy on Google. She says, bring it over here. So I'm kind of I'm guarding. I'm not in the sterile area, but I show her the picture on my phone. And she looks at it for a second and she goes, Okay. And she, went, and she pieced the person's elbow back together like a puzzle. Wow. And it was the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. The screws that they were using has to be tight, the bones, right? You got the bones go. And I was praying over the screws. 
that when the screws went in that they would bite, that there would be a full lock. And she told me after the case, she said that those ones that we did, I, she'd never seen a screw bite a bone like that and hold it in the way that it did. And so we ended up winning her business after that case that we had tons of cases that came after because of that one where it wasn't God supernaturally healed this elbow. God, I pray that these devices will work. That these things that you've created, that you've made brilliant surgeons and you've made brilliant techs and you've made brilliant medical people and you've made brilliant devices. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that her full gift will be in operation right now. That she'll be able to put this body back together. I pray over these screws that when they turn that they will grab that bone and it will bite and that bone will hold tight as if it was never broken. And they held and put the lady. Normally they would have had to replace this whole, whole joint or at least half the joint. A hemi. But they, they end up saving it. So God can speak to you. How many know it's important to have a two-way conversation? For you to recognize God's voice, not just for church, not just for family, but your profession and your workplace. You have creative ideas. You have creative solutions. There are creative answers to things that you're facing. There are things that are in your specialty that I know nothing about. That I, I don't know how to delve into, 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 into Bobby's world over there of illegal matters. I don't know how to delve into finance or, or marketing. I, I, don't, I don't know your world. I know my world. I can tell you a little bit and you'll understand some of it. But you don't know my world either. But what I can tell you that there's a certain engine that you can have with God where he can speak to you. And it, it works for you. It works for you, you. It works for all of us. That if our hearts are tuned, he can speak to you in the workplace and you'll come out with creative ideas. And you know what? You'll find yourself having favor with high people. You'll stand for people who you wouldn't, would normally not stand in front of. You'll have supernatural interactions. There are times uh, I was working in, uh, in Albuquerque and uh, I, was, I was in the right place at the right time. I stepped into the elevator and a certain individual was riding that elevator with me. And I needed to reach hospitals here in El Paso. I had no idea that this man that I was riding in the elevator with oversaw the certain department over three of those hospitals in El Paso and, uh, and like three other ones in, in New Mexico. Being in the right proximity, I saw him, had a brief little interaction with him, nothing major, but I walked away. And as I was walking away, I felt in my spirit, you bet you've got to turn around and talk to that man. I didn't have a clue of what he did. I turned around and I said, my name's Adrian. And I told him what I did. I said, what do you do? And he told me what he did. And he asked me why I was there and how it worked. He said, that's amazing. That's brilliant. I've got to get you connected with all these other hospitals. And it opened up the whole region. We ended up setting up a major meeting. My national sales manager was in town, came in and like, we just had an explosion of a meeting. But it was through this stuff right here that God speaks not just to your body, but he speaks to your mind. And he speaks in your workplace because this is not for you to have to live a, just a happy Christian life. This is for you to excel and go far beyond the average person because the spirit of living God lives on the inside of you. And it, this is useful in the marketplace, not just so that you get your wins, but you're fully being everything God created you to be. Fully fulfilling your calling in the earth. Your gifts and callings are not, are, are not a secondary to going and serving people on noble. We go take care of the poor because we're Christians. 
But there's a virtue that's supposed to pass to us that we can influence people in, in high seats. It's the kingdom of God that we, we're the ones that go to the least of these, but yet still have the capacity to stand before the CEO and stand before the CFO and stand before them and hold our own and have a voice of influence that affects change in those environments. That is the kingdom of God that in one, in one day I can be sitting in the poor and the dirt in an opera in Mexico and by the end of the day be in the, an operating room with a surgeon. That's the kingdom of God that you should be able to translate that that you can be in those environments. But it comes by you learning to train your heart and train your soul to hear the voice of God. God speaks to you through, through creativity, divine strategies, witty ideas and inventions. Some of the best ideas and inventions for your sphere of influence, they have not been brought to the table yet. Because there was not someone who was leaning into the heart of God that said, hey, try it this way. Try it this way in that environment. And then you, you get a breakthrough. That's how you get favor. Witty ideas, inventions, solutions, supernatural solutions to your problem. Supernatural solutions, you know. Uh, wait, I've, I've got a, I'm, need, I'm believing God for a solution. There's a piece of land that I want downtown, catty corner from Noble. I want that land because I see what we can do with that land. I see the potential of what we can do with that land. Right now that land's in the name of four of the people. And they don't even, I don't even know if they like each other, you know. And so, like, she's trying to get title straightened out for people who don't want it straightened out. And then buy it for people who don't want to sell it. How many know you need a solution? But God is saying, no, Bobby, it's a, I need a solution. Yeah, yes. And so, Bobby, I need a solution. Um, but what I'm saying, yeah, right, yeah. Is that is a complicated mess. But God's saying, go get that land. I said, look at the land. It's in. The, I can't just. It's, can't, it's not like going to Walmart buying buying a TV or something. Like it's it's in four or five people's names. People who don't probably don't like each other. So not exactly exactly a functional family or someone you want to have a shake hand deal with, right? Like you. So you know what I need? I need a solution from God. And apart from a solution from God, it probably doesn't happen. Which means if we don't, if I personally don't have this cultivated, there are certain things that I, I, I won't get to do for the Lord that I would love to do for the Lord. And likewise, there are things that you are called to do that absent of a cultivated life of hearing God's voice, you're just not going to do it. You know, it's not super popular to, to say that, but it's the truth. You, you, there are things you won't fulfill if you don't develop this cultivated life with God. It's, it's this ongoing relationship where this is real. This has to become tangible where you get actual ideas and solutions for your workplace. God's voice can come in thoughts. Now, a lot of times the way God speaks, sometimes it comes in pictures. Uh, Erica is a high picture person, right? And so Lord speaks in, in pictures. You know, a lot of creatives, creative heart, heart people, people that are, are painters and into media and into design. God speaks to them in pictures. That God shows them something. For me, I, I actually, I, I get often, uh, it's almost like when God speaks to me, it's like an interrupted thought. It's like pink elephant. None of us were thinking about a pink elephant right now. It was so out of your mind that you recognize that that's unique. That's often how God speaks to me. I'll pray. and Or when I was thinking about what to, to share, actually, two days ago, uh, I woke up. And uh, right when I woke up, I knew that God wanted me to, I just, 
I knew God wanted to talk about hearing his voice. It just was, it was such a strong impression that I couldn't deny it. And so I know for somebody here, and probably for me too, we need to get sharpened on hearing God's voice. And that's all we're talking about today because it came so strong. Pay attention to those impressions. When it's that strong, you know, providing it doesn't conflict with the written word of God, it should be confirmed in the written word of God. Step out in faith. The best way to get sharp at this thing is to step out on it. I would write it down. Hearing God's voice. Okay, I'm going to go do it. God, did you speak to people that day? Did you, did you sharpen someone that day? Was someone edified by that? And I can rest and, okay, I, I'm recognizing how God speaks to me. Hebrews 5.14 says that by reason of use, we have our senses trained to discern good and evil. Which means you're only going to learn to hear God's voice by training yourself. Like a trained ear. You know, people can like learn how to hear uh, playing a song on a piano that have never taken piano lessons before. But they know what it sounds like. They have a trained ear and can be able to play Oh Come All You Faithful. Just because they heard it, they can find the tune. That's what happens with, with your, the heart of your, your, in your spirit man and in your soul. You can fine tune by practicing and stepping out on this. This is a two-way conversation. So we know God speaks to us what, through our soul. How do we speak back to God in our soul? Joshua 1.8. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. Day and night. Everyone say, meditate. meditate. Meditation is a common practice. It is not some hyper guru, new age practice. Meditation is a spiritual practice that you can use of the word of God and take a scripture that it could be Psalm 23 when the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know what meditation looks like? It means zeroing in on that verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And you begin to meditate on it, saying it. In the old days, when, the, when they would meditate, they, the way they do it is, was they would uh, almost murmur or mumble it back, but they would say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it, it goes from a Bible verse to something you are speaking out in authority and you, something you begin to own in your identity and say, God is my shepherd, I will not want. I will not go without because the Lord is my shepherd. He's going to lead me by still waters. He's going to cause me to lay down in green pastures. You know, you, you see, it changes from just being a Bible verse to becomes who you are. That's my God. He's my shepherd. He's not going to lead me to go down a noble street to get injured. He's not going to lead me down an alleyway in the middle of the night to get, my, to get robbed. He's leading me there to reach people. So if he's my shepherd, that means I can go down there peacefully. I don't have to be worried about someone hitting me from behind because my shepherd's got my back. My shepherd holds a rod in his hand. So he's my defender. The Bible says his goodness and his mercy follow me. So I don't have to worry about who's behind me. This, this scripture becomes powerful. That's meditation. That's biblical meditation. That is one way you can take your soul and speak back to God. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have Success. What a good promise for meditating on scripture. 
that when we meditate, he says, you're going to prosper. Things are going to go really well for you. And you're going to succeed. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So whose mind is stayed on the Lord. This is not talking about our body. It's not talking about our spirit man. It says your mind, your thought, your will, and emotion. The Bible says God will keep you in perfect peace if they will keep their mind on him. And he says, when people keep their mind on me, it's because they trust me. It's trusting him. Reading the word. Man, I'll tell you, if you can, if you're just reading a proverb a day, maybe reading the book of Psalms, that's light reading. But you're speaking out the word. Do a devotion. Get the word in your mouth. Speak it out loud. Those are things that will that will cause it to move and you meditate on it. That is with your soul. The third one and last one we're going to talk about today is um, our spirit. So remember, we're body, soul, and spirit, right? Three part being. God speaks to our body, he speaks to our soul, and he speaks to our spirit. So how can we recognize his voice when he speaks to our spirit? 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says that the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. It's like a marriage. A husband and wife come together, they get married. There is a spiritual oneness that happens. So what God is saying in 1 Corinthians 6, 17 is that there is a oneness that happens in your spirit. So when he speaks, know he's not speaking from without. He is speaking from within. He's not an outside voice. He's an inside voice. This is a big deal to recognize this because the devil doesn't speak from within. The devil speaks from without. When you go down Noble, and if you've never not used to it down there, you go down Noble and all of a sudden you start feeling anxiety. Which we've had. I'm saying this because we've had this happen many times. We go down Noble and we spend an extended amount of time down there. And we begin to feel anxiety. We think, wait a minute. I'm not an anxious person. I'm really happy. Lord's met all my needs. I'm happy. I've got a nice, fun church family to hang out with. I've I got, got friends. I've got kids. I, there's no reason in the natural for me to have anxiety right now. But right now, I feel anxiety. You know what that is? That is a voice from without. And we can recognize the voice of the enemy and say, hey, you know what? That's, that's not me. It's important to know that every thought that you have is not your own. No. You don't have to own those thoughts. No. You know, those they don't belong to you. Just because fear comes in, anxiety comes in, you don't have to be fearful. You don't have to have anxiety. You can say, I'm, I'm not interested. No. You know, the UPS man comes to my house. He brings a package and he says, hey, uh, I have this package for you. And it says, uh, it's, uh, it says Brian on, on the package right here. And... Uh, here you go. And I said, I'm sorry, that doesn't belong to me. At that point, I have a choice to see if it's like a cool Apple box and receive it. Or, <laughs> Just kidding. or say, yeah, it, it's a, uh, <laughs> it looks kind of techy from this vibe, maybe. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Lord bless me from Brian. Um, uh, but I have a choice to say this doesn't belong to me. So when the enemy presents fear, anxiety, worry, Stress. He's presenting it like that. Say, so I think this belongs to you. And you say, no, re- return to cinder, please. This doesn't belong here. This, this, is at the, this has arrived at the wrong house. One time I came back from Noble and uh, we were so stressed from that evening. 
I mean stressed the whole way home. And I went to sleep stressed and I woke up about three in the morning and I had both my hands sleep like this and that was gripping tight. And it woke me up that I was gripping myself so tight like this. And that's when I realized, whoa, wait a minute. This is not cool. This is not me. That's not, I'm, that's not my problem. Recognizing, so God does not speak to you from without. God's spirit is on the inside. He speaks to you from within. He says, make that move. Don't make that move. Marry that person. Don't marry that person. Go to that school. Don't go to that school. Open your word. Read your word. This is what I want you to do. Step out in faith here. Pray about this. Don't move on that. That is the Lord speaking. He speaks from within. Cultivating a life where you hear from that voice on a daily basis. It requires a little discipline in the beginning. But I'll tell you, once that thing starts moving, it's just a relationship. It's no longer a discipline. It's just like talking to our friend. Now it's a daily thing for us. We wake up in the morning and Kayla goes to a spot in the house and I go to a different spot in the house. And we go spend time with the Lord. It's, it's just it's become life for us. And we've discovered that what we're doing now for the Lord, we can't, we can't afford not to do that. We have to get before the Lord. And we just flip on some YouTube, worship music, bust open our Bible, begin to read some Bible plan, let God speak to us through it, journal what he's saying to us, because he's speaking. That's the way he speaks to your spirit. Now, if you don't get anything out of this whole message, you got to get this point right here. This is the message. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. I'm going to read this a couple times. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. Remember, we're three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Of both joints and marrow, joints and marrow, body. And able to judge the thoughts and intentions on the heart. So this is a loaded verse. We're talking about joints and marrow, our flesh. We're talking about our soul, our mind, thought, one emotion. And we're talking about our heart, our spirit with God. Let's read it again. For the word of God is living and active. This is talking about the Bible, the written word of God, or when God breathes on his word and speaks to you. He says, when that word comes alive, when you get the living word of God, he says it's sharper than any double-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. Okay, so what this is saying, how many of you have ever felt like you heard God on something, but then you second-guess yourself and you say, oh, was that God or was it me? Right? Was that God or was that just me? What you're, what you're really asking, was that my spirit or was that just my soul? Was that God resounding inside of me or was that just my thoughts? So what he's saying here in Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the vision of the spirit. He's saying that the word of God, it allows you to distinguish what is from your spirit and what is from your soul. And I'm telling you, if you can get this by reading the word of God, you will begin to discern what is from the Lord and what is from you by immersing in the word of God. The best way to learn to recognize God's spoken word is to spend time in his written word. If you will spend time in his written word, his spoken word will become very, very clear to you. 
If you'll spend time reading that written word, read it out loud, you'll begin to discern what the Lord sounds like because in 1 Timothy 3.16, it says that the Bible, the canon of Scripture, is the God-breathed Word of God. It is all inspired by Him. So if you spend your time reading His words, you will begin to train your ear and recognize what it sounds like when He sounds to you. So what He's saying is His Word, it will cause discernment in your heart. And you will start to recognize the voice of God. This is what he's called us to do. The word of God teaches you how to recognize his voice. So we should feel inspired to read the Bible on a daily basis. Not out of Christian discipline, but because we want to know the voice of our father. We want to hear when he speaks to us. Perhaps he's already spoken to you about whatever problem you're facing. He has probably already said the answer, but we've not recognized his voice in the moment. It's time to get on the ball. It's time to hear his voice. It's time to hear what he's saying. These are ways for us to step into this. It will cause us to step into maturity. This is a way that we cultivate uh, a life in God. This is a way we sharpen our hearing. Um, Hebrews 3.15 says, remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as Israel did when they had rebelled. And so God wants our hearts to be open, not to be hardened, because he wants you to hear his voice. Um, I felt so strongly this week that this was what we were supposed to talk about. And I can't help but, but believe that God deeply wants an intimate relationship with all of us. He wants to hear you. He wants to hear what you have to say. Um, do you have something you want to add, honey? Yeah, so I just thought it was just so good. Uh... Just the importance of hearing God's voice. Like you said, it's different for everyone. So you hear it through his, his word, and it'll never contradict his word. But you can get pictures, and the, the three ways that he really said, spirit, soul, and body. And God speaks to you in all of those ways. And it's so important to write it down. That's what I really want to emphasize on, is because you train your senses to do it. And so when you think you hear God's voice and then you write it down, then you can test it out through the day to see if that was really God or not. Or like, oh man, I missed it. Like this did not work out like I thought it was going to. But the importance and the diligence of just writing it down and being so faithful to that. Even I know personally, like I wasn't, I was only... I wasn't hearing God's voice like I wanted to. There was a season where I felt kind of like it was stopped up and I wasn't hearing in my body. I wasn't hearing in my mind. So you know what I did? And maybe this is a good place for a lot of y'all to start is to just get the Bible out, get a verse and write it. And he was talking about meditating it or meditating on it and saying it, but something about using all of your senses and then writing that verse out. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And I would just write pages the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I would begin to just write it out and say it. And I learned just by doing that simple act. You know, by his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. I began to hear his voice clearer and clearer and clearer because I, I paid attention to what I already knew was his voice. You know, how do you learn somebody's voice by, but by listening to it. And so by listening to his word and writing it down, it helps you hear it in every other area. So um, yeah, I would say I many say. times the Lord speaks to me while I'm writing down a verse that, that popped out. Yeah. That is very, very common experience for me. That if you're reading the Bible and a, a verse pops out to you, 
you know, just get your little business letter or journal or something and just write out the verse that popped out. And most often while I'm writing that, the Lord speaks to me about a circumstance or about a situation. Or sometimes it just takes that verse and just really just puts it in my spirit. Yeah. Did you have something? No, I just want well, well, I, I just want well, what you said. I, I can align with it. It's just very, you know, everything you said was like, yeah, that's what I experienced too. And that's I, good. You know, it's just really, really nice to hear it put in, you know, clear terms like that. So. Yeah. Does anyone else have anything you want to add? Uh, so just the, what you said towards the end, and just yeah. that one verse, and just when you write it down, repetition, write it over Just and over. write it and write it and write it until you like, you know it, it's in you. Like you're, it's, it's you there. It. It's the word of God going from the page to in you. And that's just been really, really key for me, you know. Um, you want to pray? I was going to pray. Yeah, and a lot of times in, in writing down, I find that it goes from it goes from being a mental thing of the Bible, and just it's like it drops in your spirit, and by speaking out the word, writing it down, getting it through you, it seems like it really just lands in the right place to where you start to own it. I think the first one I did that was in Second Timothy two twenty two, and I was in high school, and it says, "Now flee your useful lusts." And pursue righteousness, peace, and love with those who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. And don't, it talks about don't being quarrelsome. The next verse is like something about don't get on meaningless quarrels. And um, I remember that's 22 and 23. And it's, that was the first year, like the first verse I really got. And I, would, I was in high school. And I remember I would get around to things that weren't pure heart. And I would say, I flee those things. But it was so... In me, but then I would want to quarrel about different things, even about the Bible and all of those type of things. And the Bible says not to do it, and it was just in me, like I didn't have to to think about it anymore. I knew God's word, and He would He would remind me. You know, does that make sense? So let's pray really quick. I want to do some declarations. Father, I just thank you for this group that's here today. Father, I thank you that we are a people who hear your voice clearly. Father, I just declare that over us. We are a people who hear your voice clearly. I declare over us that we don't get distracted by things. I declare that we don't get off by things, Father. That we're not tossed to and fro by every wave of doctrine, Father. But that we hear your voice. And the voice of a stranger we simply do not follow. Yeah, Father, I thank you that we hear your voice. And the voice of a stranger we simply do not follow. Father, I just thank you that your, your spirit is one with us and it is made alive with us. So right now, I just want you guys, if you'll just raise your hands and just say, Father, Father we hear your voice. We hear and the voice of the stranger, we do not follow. Father, I thank you that you're a good God. And that I can put my trust in you. Father, I thank you that you give me perfect peace. That in your voice, I find peace. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.